Hi, Sebastian Hussein here. You're listening to an archived episode of STEM Wars. You can find newer episodes of STEM Wars at stemwars.buzzsprout.com. That's S-T-E-M-O-I-R-S dot buzzsprout.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else your favorite podcasts are. Thanks very much for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of PodQuest, the official podcast of the Quest Solar Energy Engineering Research Center. I'm Joe Karras. And I'm Sebastian Hussein. And today we are at the Solar Power Labs of Arizona State University here in Tempe, Arizona. Today we will be talking about the behind-the-scenes stories of research in solar energy. You know, you could say there's power in these stories, Joe. <laughs> anyway, today we are with Rebecca Gladell, who's a PhD student at Caltech in the Atwater Lab there. So hey, what's up? Not much. How are you? We're great. So you're you're here in Arizona with us today, and not in not in California. Um, why is that? Maybe you just want to tell us a little yeah. bit about. Well, what you're it doing. was a little cold in California, and decided I needed to heat <laughs> ah, up a bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm actually here for. I just finished up doing the Solar Cell 101 course uh, that the Solar Power Lab hosts a couple times a year for graduate students and industry people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically got to make a solar cell from start to finish using the techniques that industry uses. Cool, right. So this is stuff that's all done on the, the test bed one student, yeah, uh, student, student led, led pilot, pilot line. line. Yep. And so you and a couple other students started on Monday with Yep. Safety training. Safety first. training, of course. <laughs> and uh, Always necessary. Yeah. yeah. You know, basically you what so you started with I actually started in the middle of the process. So oh, we weird. did uh because we had uh, three different groups going through, so we can't all start at the beginning. Yeah. It take forever. So we did screen right. printing, um, of all the contacts in the back surface field. Um Baking things, soldering on contacts, <laughs> laminating the cell, and then we went back and started at the beginning to to go through like the cleaning process yeah. and the, the, the oxide yeah. growth. Yeah. Cool. So, so any big insights? Anything that you just you know? Soldering is harder than I remember. <laughs> uh, We've had personal experience yeah. with that quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, Joe especially. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, everything you know goes down when you least want it to not work. But uh, no, it's really cool to have all these big like industry. Well, not quite industry scale, but. Uh, scaled technologies instead of just working with like a one centimeter by one centimeter solar cell to be like, oh, cool, this is yeah. something I can show people. Um, okay, so awesome. So Solar Cell 101, all you other Quest grad students out there, um, get here and, and, and do it. It's awesome. All right, so let's talk about like you and what you actually do like normally. You when know. you're not too what? cold in, uh, <laughs> high, in California. High altitude uh, overview of your research. Of my, all right, so my main research project um, is working to improve... HIT cells. Uh, HIT cells are a very high efficiency silicon cell, but they're not the most common cells on the market. Um, but basically, they're like a bunch of sandwiches of, or the sandwich of different kinds of silicon. Right. And uh, some of the silicon on top is amorphous silicon, and it absorbs light that doesn't end up creating power from the cell. So we'd like to basically improve on that layer um, by replacing the amorphous silicon with different semiconductors. Um, so I'm personally looking at um, so-called 2,6 semiconductors, and I'm looking at zinc-based ones, so uh, zinc sulfide, zinc selenide, zinc telluride, and alloys of those, um, and just growing them on silicon, kind of seeing the electrical properties, seeing the optical properties, trying to figure out if this can be better than what's the best right now. What kind of growth methods are you are you using when doing I that? I am right now using molecular beam epitaxy, um, which is far from an industrial-friendly process, because it's layer by layer growth yeah, like of your atom film. By atom yeah, yeah, like yeah. One at a time basically. Um so it's slow. Um but it's really useful for research purchases because you can you have layer by layer control very fine of control. your film. Yeah. Um and there's I mean there's a lot of other ways to grow these films. You can do liquid uh deposition, you can do uh, atomic layer deposition, which is 
slow, but not quite so slow. There's, there's a lot of other methods. So it's translatable to industry, but just I wouldn't do MB. Uh, I'm not, not going to go to first level and be like, you should grow it this way. But not so effective. <laughs> Summarize like, like one of your big uh, you know, sort of findings or achievements or, or something that you've, mm. you've made so far. I'd say the, the most important thing I've determined so far is the material that looked the most promising to start with, um, so that's zinc sulfide, um, on silicon, which is nice because it, it has a very similar crystal structure, uh, probably won't work by itself. Uh, and so that's like a disappointing result, but it's a result nonetheless that uh, basically the electrical properties don't, wouldn't be favorable um, or would not be an improvement over amorphous silicon. So now I'm working now to alloy it with other things to keep the good properties of the zinc sulfide, which is it's a wideband gap, so it should be fairly transparent to the solar spectrum, right. um, but also that I can make it conductive enough um, and it's well lattice matched to silicon, mm -hmm. so that can be high quality growth. But uh, there's too much of a potential barrier in the conduction band to yeah. be a good contact. <coughs> cool. Well, um, I hope you didn't scare too many people off with that. Um, <laughs> but I think that's a good, I mean, anything else you, you think you want or need to say about sort of your day-to-day -day work, or is that a pretty good? Um, th I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good summary of my main project. I can also say I'm, I'm doing some work on the core quest project that Caltech is associated with, which is they're doing um, uh, indium phosphide and gallium arsenide right. tandems. <laughs> um, ma mainly, I'm just doing the characterization because um, I've done that for my own project, and so that's an easy task for me to, to join up on. And we've got... Um, Two, two other graduate students working on that as well. So we're all kind of, as a team, working to move this Quest core project forward. Cool. My understanding of the day-to-day uh, -day work for a PhD when you're using MBE is most likely just repairing yeah. and uh, doing things with yeah. turbo pumps. <laughs> yep, that, that is very, very true. Yeah. The, so an MBE is uh, ultra-high vacuum equipment. There's a lot of uh, very fragile pieces so how, of things how, how in there. Deep space, how deep space is the vacuum? <laughs> um, I, I've seen the vacuum gauge read 10 to the minus 10 <laughs> or one to the ten, one times ten to the minus ten tor one time. Mm. Um, so that's that's ultra high vacuum. Um, that's several, you know, what several orders of magnitude below atmospheric pressure. Mm -hmm. um, that's just one chamber, and that rarely happens. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of fixing turbo pumps. Yeah. The upside is I I'm the only one who uses my MB. Uh, but that also means I'm the only one who fixes it. So yeah. definitely a lot of time involved to do that. I say MBE stands for most broken equipment. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything breaks, but when you're the only one fixing it, yeah, yeah it feels like it's broken all the time. Your resume can definitely have a line that you're proficient in hex tools now, or yes. hex keys. Yes, yeah. oh, all the ones, <laughs> metric and standard. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So, so... Let's maybe. So, how did you how did you end up at Caltech? That's and a good what's your story? Like, how did you sort of get interested in doing solar energy research? Yeah. So, I did my undergraduate degree in engineering physics at the University of Illinois, um, and my I did undergraduate research in condensed matter physics, um, which I enjoyed the day to day. It's a lot similar. Like, you're growing films and you're characterizing them. Uh, I like doing hands on work, which was great. Um, but I realized as I was applying for graduate school and I was applying to a bunch of different physics programs, planning on working um, in superconductivity, which is still cool, but uh, <laughs> I realized that I personally would have a hard time focusing for five-ish years on a project that I didn't see, you know, being useful to the general public in the near future. And that's, there's nothing wrong with pure science, it's very important, but for my own focus, uh, having a project that I'm like, this is going into a device that people will buy soon. That really makes it yeah. tangible for me. Um, and I was actually just logging onto the Caltech page. That was one of the many schools I applied to for graduate school uh, to finish my application and saw an article about um, my current advisor, Harry Atwater, and his work. 
and it was about his solar work. He does a lot of stuff, but part of the group does solar stuff. And I read that, I'm like, that's what I want to do. I knew from maybe high school that I wanted, I think I put in some of my college applications. Uh, don't think of me as being like too braggy here, but I think I said, <laughs> I want to save the world. Um, after We're having, all optimistic yeah, out of high school. I think I've like so. watched <laughs> An Inconvenient Truth uh, and, and gone to some talks about global warming and stuff in high school. And I wanted to make a difference in that. And I, I realized after reading that solar, the article about the work Carrie does in solar, that that seemed like a good way to go with that. Um, I I'm, I'm still really want to see what superconductivity can do in return uh, in regards to improving the power grid and stuff. But uh, I think the solar, you know, it's happening right now. Um, there are superconducting wires in parts of the power grid. Let's put that as a side. But th there's so much, so much work going on in solar, and there's so much potential for that to change the world. Is how I see it. So I felt immediately like that sounds what I want to do. Um, and having lived in Illinois for most of my life and the East Coast before that, I thought it'd be nice to have nice weather for <laughs> at least part of it, which drew me to the West Coast over the East Coast. Um, and Caltech just felt like a really good environment. It has a great atmosphere, I think. The, the lab group I'm working in has a great atmosphere. Um, people are generally very happy there. They're not overworked. We don't work on the weekends, but don't tell your advisor that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I ended up at Caltech, is I found what seemed like a really good fit for, for me. Can you tell us um, about the, the first time you came to the campus and oh. met with uh, your current advisor and yeah. what was that experience like? So when I first visited, I decided, landed in California that day and I got to campus and I'm like, oh, it just smells amazing here. Because um, it did, because it was March. <laughs> it was March in Illinois, so it was yeah. like snows on the ground. And I had just done the East Coast visits where it was like even worse weather. So that was one just like amazing. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, in that episode, I didn't actually get to meet with Harry because um, mm, he shocking. was traveling. But he, he was around. Uh, and yeah. I went into a group. I visited with a couple of the grad students in this group. And then I went to a group meeting. And I think it was at the time where they were, like, assigning, you're in charge of this equipment and stuff. Um, and so, it was. I mean, it was interesting to see, like, oh, there's structure to this lab. And, like, this mm. is how you survive in a lab group that's, like, 50 people, uh, which is unusually large um, for any <laughs> graduate group, I'd say. Um, and... So that, that was our that was my first like I've seen Harry now, uh, and then uh, a week later I think when I was at a different grad school because I talked to him on the phone and I was just trying to explain to him that I'm really interested in this not because I don't want to do physics but I want my physics to matter, um, <laughs> which was and I think like he got that and I mean not you can't always get into the research group you want to get into right. but I feel really lucky that I was able to do that and uh, you know maybe I don't see uh, my advisor as much as other people see their advisor but it's there's so much uh, potential in whatever you want to do. Basically, if you get Harry excited about something, he'll find a way for you to do it. Yeah. Um, and I can feel that, just working in the group, talking to people in the group, that it's an exciting place to be where things are happening. Awesome. Um, so I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but last so last year you were the president of Quest's SLC, that's the Student Leadership Council. Yeah, um, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, maybe, like, tell us about that. Like, what was yeah. it like? And, and so uh, I, I ended up in that job. Uh, basically, I think uh, oh, some people at ASU were specifically told that <laughs> you're not allowed to take a job in the SLC <laughs> in this year because they had been spending... Uh, a lot of time on that and, um, and so we did a podcast instead yeah <laughs> good job guys um prioritizing yeah. um but i'm like oh i i'm happy to you know donate more of my time but i don't feel like i could be president uh since i'm not at asu's campus I'm like oh that could be a really good thing which i think it was in the end um so quest has got what eight, eight universities i want to say mm -hmm. associated with that. it and definitely the bulk of the people are asu um but having perspectives 
outside of that, I think I think that was a valuable thing that happened um, as I was president is because Caltech students felt a little bit more disconnected um, because we weren't at ASU. Um, so that I think that was something that we were able to address a little bit. Um, but also there's a challenge in that. And so that was lots of emails. So many emails. <laughs> so many emails. Yeah. Uh, that's a one way to communicate. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun getting to know people from all these different universities, yeah, sure. um, to getting to know the research at the different universities more. Um, feeling obligated to going to things means I actually went to more of the, the webinars, and, which I feel was <laughs> very, very yeah, valuable. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, but, you know, it really pushed me to, to do that. Um, I know a lot of the faculty now. Um, just gives me a much wider perspective on what graduate school can be like, um, what your research can be like, what the solar field is doing, because Quest does have such a wide variety. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was a lot of work, um, but I think it was very valuable experience. And I definitely encourage anyone who uh, is interested to put some time into the SLC because you get more out than you put in. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly, I think I saw, or I, I have seen like, you know, over the years in Quest that, you know, like we might all be working on our same work, mm -hmm. you know, without sort of this, you know, eight university organization, but there's a much stronger sense of community, yeah, mm -hmm. perhaps, right. mm -hmm. and, and among, among the students than you have if you're working just for a single PI with uh, your own individual lab. Right, group, right? Yeah. yeah. The collaboration uh, and the community that comes out of it is unprecedented. Like, you're not going to find this easily. Uh, I mean, obviously, there, there are other engineering research centers, so they have a similar right. experience. But most people uh, in grad school don't get to have this kind of access to incredibly uh, knowledgeable faculty uh, and support systems for doing... Uh, outreach or education, having Solar Cell 101, which, you know, that that was just something I could go do. I just had to show up. Right. Um, you know, I didn't have to, like, pay a million dollars or something to go <laughs> be allowed to use <laughs> this really awesome laboratory. So, yeah, we've gotten to hear a little bit about um, what you have done. Uh, what do you think you will do? Uh, potentially, like, career paths? Are you hoping to stay in academia? Would you like to shift into industry? Um, go into policy? Yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm about halfway through my degree right now. But I, I realized in undergrad that I did not want to stay in academia. Um, there's just some things that you need to do in academia that I don't really want to do, like grant writing. Not my favorite thing. <laughs> um, and I think there's there's a lot of opportunity to make a difference in what people buy and how they live their lives in industry. Um, not that there isn't in academia, but I think the reason that like quests and there's other collaborations that have industry partnerships built in are so powerful is because they have more of like a there's a line to the people there because um, we're not you know the solar cell I made in solar cell 101 I'm not gonna go sell that to somebody um, it's perfectly <laughs> it's very good solar cell but <laughs> I'm sure it's very nice but you don't you don't <laughs> and I'm not not out here to make money but I think uh, I mean, we do live in the USA, free market, capitalism, whatever. That like that's you got to change how, what people want in their lives. Um, and I'm not a psychology major, so the way to, for me to do that is to have an impact on what's being offered to people. So that's definitely where I see myself. However, I also, especially um, having as I age, I see more and more of politics and how policy affects how things happen. Um, and so I've definitely played around with the idea of doing some kind of policy internship. Um, or some, something in that field, because um, I think also there's, I, I myself feel that my skills in relation to my engineering and physics peers um, are not necessarily in the research itself, um, but in the people management, which hopefully 
happened when I was SLC president. Definitely. Um, I was just going to say, <laughs> when, when you were the SLC president, that probably brought some of those yeah, traits out. And I, that's, I kind of where I f- yeah. could learn that, okay, this is, this is maybe more my strength. Like, personally, I don't feel like my research project is going to change the world. Um, but... <laughs> But it could, it could. But I, I don't feel like I'm the best researcher. Um, and there's other things that I also enjoy doing. So I, I got to explore my options there. But I'm definitely, I want to have at least some experience in industry. Uh, but I can very much see myself ending up in some kind of policy role. Because if you don't have people who are educated about the scientific decisions they're making in policy, then you're never going to get the decisions <laughs> you want. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at in the future. Thanks for listening, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we'll be back again uh, at some point, hopefully talking to <laughs> another student or uh, some of the faculty here at Quest. So PodQuest is a project by the graduate students of the Quest ERC. For more information on Quest, visit our website, quest.asu.edu. That's Q-E-S-S-T Quest is funded by the National Science Foundation and U.S. Department of Energy. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this material are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Science Foundation or Department of Energy.